The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Stacking the Box, Week 15 Edition. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. And of course, like we do every week, we will go over each and every upcoming game with a little bit of a look back as well. And Josh, I ask you from what was a very wild Sunday in the NFL, what did you take away from the weekend that was? Uh, I mean, the obvious thing to take away is the Carson Wentz injury. But to me, something that people aren't talking about at least not the way that they should be, is how much of a joke the NFL's protocol is as far as head injuries are concerned and as far as making sure games don't get out of control. So in Houston, we have Tom Savage who gets hit, and he basically seizes up. There's some uh, technical medical term for it. It wasn't actually a seizure, I don't think, but it was something that you get when you suffer a very severe concussion. And despite basically seizing up in front of an official who's standing over him, checking on him because he's seeing him seizing up, Somehow he comes back into the game. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you can be the NFL. You can have all of these concussion problems. You can have all of these lawsuits and all of this bad press. And then you have this. I mean, not that it was the same thing as the Ryan Shazier injury, which was separate. But you have back-to-back weeks now where you have something very major happen to players that is very scary. And then you have this business in Jacksonville where the fans are throwing stuff at the Seahawks players. And the Seahawks players are trying to climb into the stands, Malice in the Palace style. It's like... You have to get a, a handle on this if you're the NFL. Like at some point, you step in, and you know you talk to the Texans, you talk to those officials. There's discipline there. There's discipline in Jacksonville. Going back to last Monday night with the the, the Steelers and the Bengals, I just I don't know what's happening. It's a real bad look for the NFL. Had a really fun, exciting time in the season. Yeah, leagues leagues had a rough twelve months. Uh, I mean, you think about the last calendar year, and you get and really not even a full twelve months. Really, maybe almost nine months. You start talking about. Colin Kaepernick and that whole situation, wherever you stand on it politically, just, you know, the idea of the circus around it. Um, and then, of course, Ezekiel Elliott stuff and Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell going back and forth. And then you get into, all, of course, all the anthem protests and, and the, the media coverage of that and, and the protesting of, of then the fans, of the players, and, and the, the, the subsequent boycott. Um, and then, look, this year, look, every year guys get hurt in the NFL. This season for me... I can't remember a campaign where more guys, big time guys, have gotten mm-hmm. hurt. You're talking. I mean, you could make an all pro team out of the guys who are on IR. Yeah. You're talking about JJ Watt, Carson Wentz, Eric Berry, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Whitney Merciless, Aaron uh, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, David Johnson, uh, you know Carson Palmer. Uh, you could go on and on and on and on. I mean, there's a truckload of guys. Jason Peters, really good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Julian Edelman, who, who are out for the year. And, you know, it, you know it, it really takes a toll, I think, 
psychologically on the fan, it's just, my God, every team in the league is missing two or three of their best players. So going into the last three weeks of the season, look, it's a lot of fun uh, in terms of we got some great races. I think that's a redeeming thing for the NFL right now. There there are very few teams who are completely out of it. Um, And and it's wide open. I think you can make an argument for a half dozen teams to win the Super Bowl, if not even maybe more than that. Um, So that helps. But... The injuries have, have played a big part. And look, you, you hit the nail on the head with the Tom Savage situation. I think the term is a fencing response. It's Something like, like almost that, Almost yeah. like your hands are moving uh, uncontrollably in front of you. Uh, look, at some point here, the NFL not only has to update and change and, and make a stricter protocol, they also have to change the attitude of the league. And that, to me, is the biggest thing. I think the league's attitude has changed up top. But I think on the field, the coaches, the players, it hasn't changed. Players want to get back out on the field no matter what. Coaches, they want their best players out there because they know their job's on the line more than it ever has been every week. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, guys didn't get fired after one bad season. It happens now in the NFL. It certainly happens after two. It used to be that if you hired a coach, that guy was there for three-plus years. Not the case anymore. So I think that is the biggest issue. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is. If they have to add more independent neurologists to be down on the field... If, if there needs to be some kind of an of a injury timeout that extends longer than the normal one for a head injury, but something's got to be done. The NFL's got to get a, a handle on this because, frankly, you can't have it. I mean, you're getting to a point here where, where somebody is going to die on the field sooner rather than later. These guys are getting bigger and faster and stronger every single season. Yeah, and you know we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Russell Wilson. He doesn't even go into the concussion tent or the medical tent and he just he comes right back out and it's you have the argument then from people who say oh these guys are competitors that leads into the conversation of oh these guys know what they're getting into and i think that's a dangerous road to go down when it's really it's a it's a black and white issue it's tom savage gets slammed into the ground he suffers a brain injury he is seizing up on the field he should not be allowed back into the game there was reports there were people tweeting out that oh yeah uh, he he drove home from the game he's totally fine these NFL people almost in a defensive stance. And it's like, first of all, he's driving himself home after that? No, thank you. And secondly, it's okay to love the NFL. We love the NFL. I could not imagine my life without football. That being said, I will admit that the game isn't safe the way it is. And that's just, that's a fact. And it's okay to have it both ways. If you say you love football, you don't then have to defend every single thing that happens. I can sit here and say I love football, but watching Ryan Shazier almost get paralyzed on the field is not something fun that I want to watch, and I don't think that that should be in football. Not that it was a dirty play, but you can have it both ways. It's not a, a one or the other issue, and I think that that's where a lot of the problems we have with these conversations stems from, and then we just end up getting nowhere. Yeah, I agree. I think ultimately people have to understand, look, two things can be true at the same time. Like, I think... I think that a lot of times people take the, take the stance, I should say, that violence in the NFL has to be prohibited. Well, look, mm-hmm. I have news for anybody who feels that way. Violence is not going anywhere in the NFL. No. The NFL and football as a sport is based on violence. It is based on intimidation. It is based on hitting a guy hard enough and enough times that after a while that player is no longer as good as they were, whether or not it's because of a physical limitation or because they're, they're scared of coming over the middle you know, or, or whatever you want to say. Football is a game of being able to dish out punishment. It is. And anybody who plays it, anybody who's coached it, anybody who watches it, really almost at any level, you know, high school and up, knows that. That's what football is. 
And you know what? Anyone who says they don't enjoy watching the violence of football, if they watch football, if they're a fan, is a liar. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves a big hit. There was a, you know, I was watching the Chiefs and Raiders yesterday, and Derek Johnson absolutely decleated Marshawn Lynch. It was one of the biggest hits I've seen this year. And it was a clean hit. He hit him shoulder right in the chest plate, and then Lynch was fine. He got up, and Johnson was you know no worse for the wear. It was a big hit, and it was probably the loudest Arrowhead Stadium was yesterday. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I love violence in football, but I don't love somebody getting paralyzed. Mm-hmm. I don't love somebody having what looked to be a seizure on the field. You need to try to figure this out. And I think, too, look, they've got to do better with the helmets. Yeah. I know they've been trying to improve them. You've got to continue to do that. There is no right answer. Guys are always going to get concussions. Guys are always going to have injuries in football. That is part of the deal. But the NFL has an obligation to its players to continue to do the best it can. And right now, I don't feel the NFL is doing the best it can. No. And uh, really, that's you said it better than I could right there. So we'll, we'll wrap that up and hopefully think that at least imagine that the NFL can get this together and maybe make the game not such an easy target to people who want to take it down. Uh, let's move on to what's the story, Vertoran, where we're going to break down a couple of narratives that are going on in the NFL and see if we can figure out what's the story behind the story or if we can predict the future. And a lot of fans in Philadelphia are trying to predict the future right now. Carson Wentz tears his ACL. He's done for the season, which goes back to what you're saying about the injuries just devastating the league. However, the I don't I don't think I've ever watched a game where the Eagles they win the division they clinch a playoff berth and it is the most somber thing that I've ever seen because they lose Carson Wentz and the question now is what's the story with his MVP candidacy because everybody's saying before this game he's the MVP he's the most exciting thing in the league right now and I'm wondering if maybe him tearing his ACL and us watching the Eagles maybe regress significantly that only helps his case that he was this important to the team because Nick Foles. He's a fine quarterback. You can maybe speak to that more than I can with your Chiefs experience. But he's not Carson Wentz. And I think that their their destiny changed big time, regardless of who's under center. Yeah, for sure. Look, as far as Foles goes, you know, he's he's a good backup quarterback. Uh, he'd be a bottom-tier starter. You know, I know he had the one year incredible on the chip. I think he threw 27 touchdowns and two yeah. picks. I, I would not expect that kind of line. Uh, that being said, look, I think the Eagles with Wentz were a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they are without him. Uh, he makes a lot of plays. And I think the biggest difference between him and Foles is he escapes a lot of sacks. Mm-hmm. And without him, they're going to take a lot more sacks. They're going to be more negative plays, and they're going to be punting a lot more. And so I think the game changes uh, significantly. Foles does not have the arm strength that Wentz has. He t- makes throws that Foles just can't make. And so I still think the Eagles are a team that could win a game or two in the playoffs. I think they, they didn't get to the NFC title game. I don't think they can win it. I don't think they'll get to the Super Bowl. And that's a shame, really. Uh, because Wentz, 33 touchdowns on the year, leading the league. Now, as far as his MVP candidacy, I think it's dead. I don't think a guy missing the last three weeks of the year is making it uh, you know, to the uh, winner's circle with that award. I think Tom Brady is going to win it hands mm-hmm. down. There's been talk about Russell Wilson, but then he goes out and throws three picks on a miserable loss to Jacksonville. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown's getting some love, but look, no wide receiver's ever won it. And if Jerry Rice didn't win the MVP, mm-hmm. and, and if Randy Moss didn't win the MVP, Antonio Brown's not winning the MVP. And by the way... Total side note. I keep seeing, like, every time the Steelers are in prime time, that people keep talking about Antonio Brown being the greatest wide receiver of all time. Yep. Listen, he is a great player. He is not the greatest wide receiver of all time. Okay? Like, enough with this. He, he's a great player. He's not... Calvin Johnson was a better receiver, and he finished playing last season. Yeah, come on. Like, this, this idea that everything that happens now is the greatest thing ever 
If Jerry Rice played in today's NFL, he would undoubtedly have had a handful of 2,000-yard seasons. Oh, yeah. He played in the 80s when if you had 1,000 yards throwing the football, it was a huge deal, or catching the ball, it was a huge deal. He had 20,000 some odd receiving yards. Antonio Brown's on it in 20,000 yards, and they play in the day and age when guys throw the ball 50 times a game. So, look, I, I went off the rails or all I kept it in the same <laughs> state. But uh, just a little food for thought. No, I, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because I actually wanted to bring that up a couple of weeks ago when this whole conversation initially started. And I think that the, the thing that prompted it was Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver of the last 25 years, which immediately Calvin Johnson came to mind. But Randy Moss, look, I'll say this and then we can move on to our next topic here. But I want you, you talk about Jerry Rice putting up those stats in the 80s. Randy Moss. His best season is with, was with Tom Brady, when Tom Brady broke the touchdown record. That's what it looked like when Randy Moss had a really good Hall of Fame quarterback. Randy Moss is a Hall of Fame wide receiver who put up ridiculous stats with Dante Culpepper throwing to him, Jeff George throwing to him, yeah, Randall Cunningham in the one good year that he had. He didn't have any quarterbacks. Then he went to Oakland and withered away, and then he bounced around everywhere else. But like this idea that Randy Moss is somehow discounted from this conversation... I'm from Minnesota, so it's it's a little bit of a bias, but also at the same time, you know, he was a phenomenal talent, and I was a Buccaneers fan growing up in Minnesota, and Randy Moss was probably my favorite player growing up as a kid. That so to your point, yeah, Antonio Brown's great, and I'm, nobody wants to take that away from him, but Ben Roethlisberger has been his quarterback his entire career, so take that for what you will. I mean, all I'll say is you know, if you go through Moss's numbers. The guy had 10 years of over 1,000 yards, and a lot of those years were well over 1,000 yards, around 1,300, 1,400. Mm -hmm. Brown's been great. Brown is 29 years old right now, and he's working on his fifth consecutive year with at least 1,284 yards. He's got 1,509 right now. Uh, two years ago, he had 1,834. In 2014, he had 1,698, led the league. He's leading the league again this year. Yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal. Oh, Nobody, yeah. Nobody's saying Antonio Brown is not a great player. You'd be a fool to say that. I, I think you know, he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Or, you know, I, I think he should be anyway. I, I, it's so hard for receivers to get in. Guys wait a couple of years because there's a logjam, okay? But when you start talking about the greatest receivers of all time, okay, it starts and ends with Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, in his career, now he played a long time, but he had 11 straight years from 1986 through 1996 of at least 1,000 yards. And Every year but one of those, he at least had 1,200. Uh, he led the league six times in that span. Three of those years, he went over 100 yards or 100 receptions. But he ended his career with 22,895 oh. yards. Antonio Brown doesn't have 10,000 yet. He also ended his career with 197 touchdown catches. There, I don't know if there's anybody else who's ever had more than 130 or 140. It's, it's unbelievable. How good Jerry Rice was. So, look, Antonio Brown, great player, but not, not the greatest ballpark. This is what happens when Carson Wentz gets injured. We have to go on a tangent about wide receivers. I don't know how we ended up that. there, but it just it felt <laughs> right. But as far as Wentz goes, look, it's devastating. He, you know, it really is. He, he was a bright light in a season with a lot of injuries, and unfortunately now he adds to it. Speaking of bright lights, Matt, a man that you are familiar with because you're a Chiefs fan. John Dorsey gets a job almost immediately after Sasha. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know. There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know. A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. 
Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Brown is fired, dismissed, whatever, in Cleveland. Uh, Whatever you think about the process that happened there, let's focus on the man who actually got hired, John Dorsey, and what he's going to do for the Cleveland Browns. So what's the story with Cleveland's future? We've talked about it on weeks on end here about how it's a hopeless future and they have no direction. They are supposedly sticking with Hugh Jackson, but I don't know if John Dorsey is necessarily going to stick with that. Do you feel like this is finally the Browns turning the corner to becoming a good franchise, or is this just going to be another, oh, well, we tried, it looked like it was going to be good, and then the Cleveland curse took over? I think it's a great hire. I'm not willing to say it's turning the corner because they're unstable, and you don't know. You know if they're not good in two years, does Haslam fire them? Does Haslam and you know, the ownership say... Hey, yeah, we're 6-10, and 10, but we want to be 9-7 and seven at this point. So I don't know. I also don't like the fact that Hugh Jackson's going to stay on. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should. They stink. They can't coach. Uh, everybody has this, this thing about Hugh Jackson that he's, he's a good coach on a bad team. Look, let's just call it what it is. He's 1-28 in Cleveland. I don't care what the talent is on that team. You need to win more games than that. Okay? And the talent isn't so bad that they should be 1-28. So for me... I don't like that he's sticking around. I kind of feel like this is when Chris Ballard took over the Colts and they left him with Pagano. Yeah. And I, to be fair, I think Jackson's a better coach than Pagano, but the same rule applies. Like he, It's almost like you're, you're in a hostage situation. You're just stuck. And, and I, look, I think Dorsey's an incredible talent evaluator. When he was with the Chiefs, I, first of all, I think it was a mistake the Chiefs got rid of him. Uh, I think Dorsey is a tremendous evaluator of, of college talent. If you look at the Chiefs draft over the last handful of years, they nailed a lot of mid to late round picks, and that includes Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Marcus Peters was a first round pick, but he was somebody with a lot of question marks. They took him. Uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif was a sixth round pick. Yeah. Uh, the, the Chiefs have done a really, really good job of identifying guys later in the draft. And, you know, by the way, Kareem Hunt, another one, third round pick. So I think Dorsey, with all those picks, with all that ammunition, he's going to get a lot of those guys right. My question is. What's going on with the coach? And what are they going to do with the quarterback situation? Are they going to draft the guy first overall? Or are they going to say, look, let's bring in a veteran? I wouldn't be shocked if Alex Smith ends up in Cleveland. He traded for him once. Wouldn't be shocked to do it again. God knows he had the picks to do it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I'm sure Kansas City would entertain a second-round pick from Cleveland. Uh, and you know, see how things go. But I love the hire. Great hire. And that takes me into our next and final segment. Here, our question here. Uh, which is about the NFL draft. And the Heisman Trophy was this weekend. Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, he takes it home, which wasn't really a surprise to anybody. But now, all of a sudden, he's shooting up mock drafts. Granted, it's only December. These are all going to change once everybody goes to the Combine. But do you think that it would be an ideal situation for the Browns to go with a Baker Mayfield number one overall? Or do you think that they should maybe take a, uh, a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold if he comes out? Or should they trade down? So it's like... Right now, we've got, you know, Brad Weiss does our mock draft at fansided.com, and he's got Sam Darnold going number one to the Cleveland Browns. What's the story with that? Should they, I mean, you just said John Dorsey's a phenomenal talent evaluator for college. I'm excited about what the Browns are going to do with this. I think they lucked into Miles Garrett, even though it sounded like the front office wanted to go with Trubisky last year. They take the right guy. Do you think that they go with that again? You know what? I think if Darnold comes out, I think they'll take him. And I think they should take him. Uh, I know some people have talked about, you know, he's thrown a lot of picks this year. Fine. If you watch Sam Darnold, I think he's the best pro prospect coming out in terms of the quarterback position. Baker Mayfield's got a lot of talent. But Baker Mayfield's um, 
chutzpah, should we say. Uh, his, his, his passion sometimes is misguided. And I think he'll be fine in a strong locker room and a good team, some leadership. I don't think Cleveland is ready for that. I don't think he's ready for Cleveland. I, I think you need a guy who can go in there and who can really give you a sense of professionalism right away. I'm not sure Baker Mayfield's that guy. And I, I love Mayfield's tape. I love his ability. But I think a lot of NFL talent evaluators right now think he's a second-round pick. Um, even if he moves up the board, if Darnold's there, I take him. Rosen, he is very hard to evaluate because he does some things on tape that you say, wow, he looks phenomenal. Then there are other times you wonder what he's doing, and there's talk about him being a little bit of a problem off the field. So if on the Browns, if they think that there's a slam dunk, I take quarterback because you need a quarterback. But if not, like they may have two of the first five picks in the draft for Houston's pick. So, mm-hmm. you know, that team – you talk about best player available. They're in the spot to go best best player available because they need so much help. And I think that's probably the right move. And if it's quarterback, then so big. Uh, for sure. And just for anybody else interested in the top five, uh, he's got Darnold going to actually the Giants at number two. He's got Josh Rosen going number one to the Browns. And then Bradley Chubb going to the Indianapolis Colts. And this one's interesting to me. Saquon Barkley to the 49ers, which I think would be great to throw into that offense. And then he's got uh, Mike McGlinchey or whatever going to the, uh, to the Broncos. He's got the Broncos taking an offensive lineman. And I think the Broncos need a lot of help. <laughs> I don't think that that's getting fixed with, I mean, the, with that draft pick. I think the Broncos right now, you could go offensive line. You could go quarterback. You, you go a lot of different directions. If you're a quarterback coming into the draft, and we can end on this and then go into our, uh, our weekly picks here. If you're a quarterback at the top of this draft, you're Darnold, you're Rosen, you're Mayfield. And you are looking at the Browns picking number one and the Giants picking number two. Which is the more ideal situation for you as a young prospect coming into the NFL after everything that you've seen in the last couple of years with young quarterbacks in their situations? Do you want to go to Cleveland where you've got John Dorsey, who's a good track, good track record, lots of success there, potential for success, but you've got Hugh Jackson? Or do you want to go to New York where there is nobody in place right now, the future is completely up in the air, but you're the guy that is going to be built around that system in New York. Oh, God, you want to go to New York? I, I mean, <laughs> look, nothing against John Torsha. I, I have tons of respect for the man, uh, but you want to go to the Giants. You get to learn at the foot of Eli Manning. and You say whatever you want about Eli Manning. He's a pro. He's a pro's pro. I, I think that'd be the right decision for them. You get a new head coach, and let's face it, it's New York. I mean, yeah. Where would you rather live, yeah. New York or, or you know, in Cleveland? Which, with all due respect to Cleveland, it's not exactly New York. So I think you'd much rather go there. But, hey, look, either way, you're, you're about to cash in. So I don't think you're too upset either way. Yeah. The only reason that I would maybe lean towards Cleveland is I like the idea of somebody is going to come along. And they're going to be the guy that fixes Cleveland. And if you're the guy that fixes the Browns, it's like you're Theo Epstein. Okay, you're, you are the guy forever. That is your legacy. Like Epstein, he wins the uh, World Series with the Red Sox and then the Cubs. If you're that quarterback that finally comes in and is the guy that fixes the Browns, that's your legacy. And I think that, that is a, that's very intriguing to me. Then again, you know, there's a lot involved there, and you have to be the right guy to do it. And I'm not sure if that guy exists in this draft, but hey, that's just, I'm a legacy guy. Well, let's go into the games. Uh, this week, starting on Saturday night, we have two games on Saturday, uh, and that'll continue uh, going forward here for the last couple of weeks. First game of the weekend, actually, you know, I'd be remiss. I 
almost skipped right over the Thursday game, which probably people are hoping I would. Uh, Denver's at Indianapolis. This week, there are some really big games we're going to focus a little bit more on, so I'm sorry if you're a fan of a team that is completely out of the race. We'll still talk about the game, but we're going to kind of go quickly. Uh, Denver's at Indianapolis Thursday night. Denver favored by two on the road. Uh, I Frankly, I don't understand how Denver's favored. I, I know they beat the Jets. I get that. I know the Colts are awful, but has anyone seen Denver? Uh, I will take the Colts, and I will not be watching that game. I'm going to take the Colts as well, and I think that it's comical that the Broncos, on the day that they're finally mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, pitch a shutout against the Jets. Finally, that's when they decide to win. So that's, that's Denver's season in a nutshell right there, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to get painful against the Colts. The sad part is I said I won't watch. I'll end up watching it. And, and you know what? <laughs> for the Skycam, right? For, yeah, for Skycam. <laughs> look, I think the only intriguing part here is Vance Joseph's coaching for his job. Oh, yeah. If they finish a year strong, you got a case to bring him back, although I don't think they should. Uh, but if they if they end up going you know, four and twelve or whatever the case may be, then I think he's probably gone. Saturday, it's moving right along. The Bears at the Lions. Bears coming off a big win, able to beat the Bengals on the road, thirty three to seven. Detroit, unfortunately for you, beat your Bucks twenty four twenty one. Field goal at the gun. The Lions are favored by six and a half points in this game. Look, I think the Bears are playing hard. Giving credit, Trubisky threw for two hundred and seventy yards and a touchdown. In Cincinnati, best game I think he's had so far in his young career. But give me the Lions. They're still technically alive at 7-6. and six. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. They need a ton of help. But I think they get the job done here at home. Uh, Matt Stafford, I think, does well here in, in this spot. Um, the, the Bears are giving it all they've got, but I don't think it's going to be enough against the Lions. The Lions are going to win, and it's really only going to set up heartbreak at the end of the season because I think they're going to win against the Bears, and then they're going to beat the Bengals only to have everything come crashing down against the Packers, if they're even still in it at that point. But there's no way, unless they absolutely don't believe in themselves, there's no way that they lose this game. Otherwise, you ruin every single case that you have to say that they're a playoff team if they lose to the Bears. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Saturday night is the first game we're going to spend a little bit of time on, a big game. The Chargers at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are only favored by a point. So Vegas thinks that on a neutral field, the Chargers are better by a few. But it's not on a neutral field. It's an Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs, after losing four straight, losing six or seven, and frankly looking like the biggest disaster in, in football, having to suspend Marcus Peters for his actions on and then reportedly off the field and that team bust on the way back to the airport. Uh, they come out, and frankly, I expected the Raiders to beat the Chiefs by 30 and I look up and watching the game, and the Chiefs are up 26 to nothing in the fourth quarter. So it's a dominant performance. Uh, the Chiefs forced three turnovers, played really well. The Chargers, meanwhile, they continue to roll. They've won seven of nine. They beat up on the Redskins. Phillip Rivers barely even played in the fourth quarter. They, they benched, and they were up 30 to six. They won 30 to 13. And so this game, really for all the marbles, uh, perhaps, in the AFC West, if the Chiefs win, they're a game up, and they own the tiebreakers. They'll have swept the Chargers, and they only play the Dolphins and Broncos going forward. The Chiefs only have to win one of those games. It's hard to see them losing twice, even though they've been so Jekyll and Hyde. The Chargers, uh, they have the Jets on the road after this, and then they play the Raiders at home. If the Chiefs won both and the Chargers lost one, the Chiefs would still win the division via tiebreak. So, uh, huge game, and I'll kick it off. I... I don't know what to expect because I don't know what Chiefs team is going to show up. But the Chiefs this year, and really even dating back to the end of last year, have been very good in prime time. They've beaten the Chargers seven consecutive times. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game. I'm doing it with one eye closed because I don't know what to expect. But I think Kansas City finds a way to win this game. The Chargers are a good team. 
but they've beaten seven teams with a combined record of 31 and 60. And I think this is a little step up in class, and I think Kansas City handles it. I just want to go on record and say that I picked the Chiefs to beat the Raiders, and I did so on blind faith, which <laughs> I feel like is... The I, o- I mocked you during the podcast. The only reason that I did that is because I've watched so many Chiefs games with you, and you know, hearing all the stories about your father and everything like that, I feel like this is somehow rubbed off on me. And hey, it actually paid off for once. Uh, and I think that they're going to do it again. I think that they, they beat San, uh, San Diego. They beat Los Angeles. And they just keep this rolling. I don't, I'm not going to say that they're going to go on some huge playoff run or anything like that. But I feel like what they did against Oakland needed to happen for them to shake off whatever rust, whatever, whatever funk was on them. They shook that off. And it had nothing to do with Marcus Peters. I don't want to hear anything about that. I know that was a big talking point amongst Chiefs fans. Calm down about that. This was a perfect case of what happens when you block for your running back, you actually give your running, uh, the running back the ball, and everything else seems to fall into place. The defense played well. This is the Chiefs team that we thought we were going to see after that first five-week span, and then they fell off the cliff. Maybe they're back. I don't know. It's definitely a uh, case of wondering what we're going to see, but I think that with their backs against the wall and the Chargers coming in being a team that you never really know what you're going to get, Phillip Rivers is either going to throw for four touchdowns or he's going to have two back-breaking picks late in the game. I just like the Chiefs too much here, but... If you've taught me anything about the Chiefs, it's exactly when you think that they're going to finally pay off, they're just going to crush your soul. So I'm prepared either way. That, that actually ought to be the title of their team yearbook every <laughs> year. Just when you thought it was going to pay off, they crush your soul. Um, I think the keys to this game, and I'm going to try to give a few keys here to each one. I, I think, look, the Chiefs have to run the football. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence. Kareem Hunt ran well yesterday, and, and they went over 150 yards as a team, over five yards of carry. It's not a coincidence they won the game. And the Chiefs, for the first time in eons, it feels like, pushed the team around. Now, look, the Chargers are better defensively than the Raiders are. Um, but the Chargers can be had on the ground. They don't have great interior linemen. The linebackers, Perriman's a very good middle linebacker. But, you know, they have some holes in the front seven outside of those stars. I think the Chiefs can run the ball. Hunt, the first time they played, I believe, ran for 170 yards in the game. So the Chiefs need to run the ball and they need to pressure Rivers. Rivers has only been sacked 15 times this year. I don't expect the Chiefs to rack up a bunch of sacks. But they have to harass him, get him to off his spot. He's not mobile. Um, and for the Chargers to win the game, I really think it comes down to look, they need to win the turnover battle. Uh, they, they've been winning it like crazy the last handful of weeks. They have to win it this week. I, I think they have to de- be able to you know, force a fumble, pick Smith off. And Rivers can't throw three picks like he did against the Chiefs the first time they played. If he does, they're going to lose. Uh, and I also think look, Ingram and Bosa, they got to be heard in this game. They, they've been great all year long. I think they're the best pass rushing tandem in the league, and they're going to have to be in this game because Smith, and I, I get on Smith as much as anybody, if he has time, he's going to find someone. Hill and Kelsey are both probably going to go over 1,000 yards this weekend. Um, I will take the Chiefs again. I think they're the better team. I think they find a way. Uh, if the game was in L.A., I would take the Chargers. I think Arrowhead at night, uh, the fans are going to be – um, what is the term I'm looking for? Uh, well Ruckus. lubricated uh, for that game. So I think the Chiefs win, but I think the Chargers, if the Chiefs don't play a good, solid game, I think the Chargers have a great opportunity to pull the upset. Chargers are a hot team right now. They're a sexy pick, but we, you've said this for a couple of weeks running now, and I think this is where it finally happens. Everybody buys into the Chargers, and then they let you down. I think this is the game where it happens, and I think that the Chiefs, they get another win. 
So now we'll move on to the Sunday games, and we'll go quickly here. Arizona at Washington. Washington favored by four. Look, the Cardinals are playing, playing Gabbert. The, the Redskins are, are dead on arrival. They're five and eight. They're ravaged by injuries. I think the Redskins will win. I think they're the better team. But at this point, really, the, both teams are playing for pride. Neither one has any you know, playoff aspirations. Arizona is six and seven. The Redskins five and eight. Uh, it's disappointing year for both. I thought a lot of people thought the Cardinals might bounce back this year, myself included. Didn't happen. Got these crushed by injuries early in the year. And the Redskins, the Redskins look good early, but just so many injuries, uh, really, for both these teams, wiped away any hope. So I'll take the Redskins in the game. I think it's fairly close, but I think Washington finds a way. I think Washington finds a way, too. I mean, Jay Gruden's been basically coaching a JV team with a pro quarterback all year long, so I can't really kill him too much for that. I do think that there will be people that maybe ask him questions about his job heading into the offseason just because that's, 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 that's the type of job where I think he's safe enough people can ask that question. But this will be a nice game where if he can get a win against Bruce Arians and the Cardinals, or it's, it's going to put a lot of doubts to rest, I think, and at least buy him another year. As for Arians... We've said this before. I think it's really unfortunate that we're watching this window close in this way. But, you know, it's just the way it is. And I think that Washington's going to get the win. I think there's a good chance that Arians and Palmer are not back with them next year. Uh, Another 1 o'clock game, Baltimore at Cleveland. Baltimore favored by 7.5 points. Ravens had a very tough loss on Sunday night against Pittsburgh. Scored 38 points. Still lost. Roethlisberger threw for over 500 yards in the game. Uh, I don't think Deshaun Kaiser's throwing for 500 yards. There's a part of me, this is, I believe this is Cleveland's last home game. I think so. Um, so part of me wants to say this is Custer's last stand here and the Browns are going to find a way. Flacco's a horrible game. I just can't. I think Cleveland covers it. I think Baltimore wins. Baltimore needs to win and maybe to win out to get into the postseason. They have the, the Browns and the Colts and the Bengals. Uh, this is the first step of, of that little journey. I think the Ravens win. Uh, I'm not a Ravens guy. I don't believe in them. I think the loss of Jimmy Smith is huge. But I have to take the Ravens. I just, I just can't pick Cleveland. I'm going to have to take the Ravens, too. I want Cleveland to win very badly. I think they can get a win, finish 1-15, and and still get that number one pick. So, look, the Ravens, they're playing for their playoff lives here. I think, you know, according to NFL.com right now, they're in. They're in the sixth seed. Last night yes. it was Buffalo, uh, NBC graphic. But... That's how fluid the bottom of that AFC wildcard picture is. And the, the Ravens losing really, really tightens that leash. They have very, very minimal uh, margin for error here. So I think that they get a win. And if they do lose, it's kind of like the, the Lions thing. If they lose to the Browns and they're that one win, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So this is the, the backs against the wall. I think that Baltimore pulls this one out. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly, ugly game. Baltimore loses this game. It doesn't make the playoffs. I- that's as bad as it gets. That's yeah. even worse than the Chiefs losing the Giants, but not by much. Um, one o'clock game, Cincinnati at Minnesota. Minnesota's fair by 11. And I have a feeling <laughs> Minnesota coming off that loss against Carolina, wanting to clinch the division. Minnesota is going to beat Cincinnati something fierce. The Bengals didn't even bother to show up last week. Got pounded by the Bears at home, 33-7. to uh, if there's ever been a bigger argument to let Marvin Lewis go quietly into that good night, I'd like to see it because that that team is more talented than five and eight. Now, look, I'm not saying the Bengals should be going eleven and five, twelve and four. They shouldn't be, but in this conference, they can't win nine games. It's it's inexcusable Yikes. to me. I I think really 
and I'll make the pick. I'm taking the Vikings, obviously. I'm, I'm also taking the cover. I think this game is this game should be rated R. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, I'll I'll wrap up, but I think the Bengals they're going to make a real decision on Andy Dalton after this year. They can get out of this contract for very minimal penalty uh, and save. I, I want to say 16 million. I'll check that real quick. It's something around there. Um, yeah. But uh, what do you do? I, I think Lewis is gone. Isn't on the contract after this year, so I think he's toast. But do they move on from Dalton as well? But again, I take the Vikings to win this week. Yeah, I mean, we said it a couple of weeks ago, and we're kind of floating the idea out there. But I am subscribing more and more to the notion that Jay Gruden, without Kirk Cousins in town, is going to make a play at Andy Dalton if he hits the market because it's just it's the comfort thing. It's why Eli's probably going to go to Jacksonville because he likes Coughlin. Gruden really likes Dalton. Maybe Dalton makes it work. It's not going to be that much of an improvement. As for this game. Uh, it's in Minnesota, so that is even more of a uh, problem for, for Cincinnati. The, the House of Pain, as they like to call it in Minnesota, or Valhalla, whatever. The Vikings fans that I know back in Minnesota are bouncing back and forth between those two. Um, but this is going to be Minnesota's game where they bounce back. They've had a bad loss. It's people, not everybody, but there are some people out there that are freaking out a little bit about, oh, the Vikings slipped up against the Panthers. They exposed some flaws. No, they didn't. They weren't going to win every single game. They didn't. They're still in play for that number one seed, remarkably, even though they lost. And now with Carson Wentz out, that's definitely light at the end of the tunnel for them. Um, and they're just, they're, I think they're going to roast Bolt, uh, the Bengals and Andy Dalton and everything involved there. It's, it's not going to be pretty. And they're gearing up for final two games. The Vikings are in Green Bay and then at home against the Bears, two very, very winnable games. Uh, you know, you don't ever want to look at another team and take joy in their, in their sorrows. But with Wentz going down... The number one seed was in play for Minnesota before that. It is even more so in play for them now, and I don't think that they drop any of these last three games, and they're going to tune themselves up big time for a playoff run that everybody now seems to be predicting is going to end with them hosting the Super Bowl. I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say that they're going to win this Sunday. Well, and by the way, just to, to put a ball on what I said earlier with Dalton, if they cut him this year or you know, before, before next year's league year. Uh, they are on the hook for $2.4 million, but they saved 13.9. Wow. And he's going to be 31 years old. And I just think you have to ask the question. Can they win a Super Bowl with him? No. Can you win a Super Bowl with any adult? No. And if you can't, then what are you paying him for? Uh, I, I, think, I think the Bengals at this point be better off. They're going to have a high pick. And by the way, you know, actually, I'm going to tee off on them for about 30 seconds and I can move <laughs> on. Okay. I, there are reports, I want to give credit to Pro Football Talk coming out of, of there, uh, that the Bengals considered playing John Ross at corner. Now, if you're not familiar with John Ross, I don't blame you. He was the ninth overall pick in the draft this year. Okay, The Bengals took him out of the University of Washington. He has been inactive over and over and over, and I believe now he's on an injured reserve. Uh, so he's done for the year. John Ross did not make one catch for the Bengals. And now they're talking about moving him from wide receiver to corner. I, I have nothing else to say other than what are they doing? This team is a circus. Maybe it's time to bring in a general manager and stop letting Mike Brown and Marvin Lewis make the decisions. Okay, He had two targets this year. He didn't catch the ball once. He's, and he is on injured reserve, by the way. He plays on it four days ago. So he had, he had one carry for 12 yards and he lost the ball and fumbled it. I, I don't care how bad he was playing. I don't care how much it, it was a developmental thing. How is he not on the field for them? I mean, now he's got a shoulder injury. And by the way, he was hurt all throughout college. So this isn't a huge shock. 
And this is a team that's talking about moving up the corner. They could have taken Marshawn Lattimore, who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. He's been terrific for the Saints. He's a huge reason they're 9-4. and four. And the Bengals, who are completely inept and have been since Sam Weiss left town, said, no, nah, that's all right. We'll take John Ross, who can't stay on the field, who can't get a pass thrown to him, who Marvin Lewis has been throwing under the bus for a month and a half. And now they say, ah, you know, maybe we'll make him into a corner. That team needs to blow up in the absolute worst way. And, and by the way, nice pick of Joe Mixon, who was controversial at the time, both for his actions and for the Bengals allowing questionable characters to be on the team. Joe Mixon this year, 518 rushing yards, 3.3 yards per attempt. Great job. I mean, well said. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville. This one I feel is pretty simple. Look, Jacksonville won against Seattle, uh, held on late, 30-24. to 24. Blake Bortles, to his credit, played well. I only completed half his throws, but I believe it was for 268 and two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, that'll be just fine for Jacksonville going forward. They play a Houston team that's 4-9. It's going to start TJ Yates with Tom Savage, as we talked about earlier. He's out. Jacksonville's favored by 11 at home. Uh, I think they win going away. I don't know if Houston scores 10 points in this game. Uh, Jacksonville uh, is rolling toward what is, it looks like a three-seed in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Give them a lot of credit. You were on it from this jump with their defense. Defense looks great. Fournette's running the ball. I think Jacksonville's a legit contender in the AFC to win a game, maybe even a surprise somebody in the second round with that defense. Bortles just can't turn it over, and that defense is good enough to win against anybody. So give me Jacksonville to get to 10-4. Enjoy Blake Bortles being this good as long as it lasts, because it's not going to last. So uh, this is the anchor that I've been worried about the, the Jaguars getting strapped to their ankles. So Blake Bortles, if he ends up turning the corner here and turns into an actual good quarterback, then I will eat all of my words and I will apologize to the man to his face. That's not going to happen, though. And I think that this is just a you know, false equivalency. This is going to be bad news for the Jaguars as they're shackled to Bortles for the next five years after they extend him if he wins a, uh, a playoff game for them. As for this game, um, I think that Bill O'Brien's coaching for his job. I'm not saying that as any kind of like I'm hearing it from anywhere. I'm just saying personally, I've been saying it for weeks. The Tom Savage stuff, I think, is a fireable offense. And he came out after the game yesterday or in his post-game press conference, and he started talking about how much he loves being in Houston. Coaches that are not on the hot seat don't talk about how much they love their job. Okay, Bill Belichick's not up there saying, oh, I really love being in New England. I think they like me here. We've got a lot going on in the future. He's on to Cincinnati. He's on to, you know, keeping his job. So I, I'm not, maybe I'm reading into that too much. Maybe I'm just focused on my own uh, narrative here where I think that Bill O'Brien should be fired. But I think that we're getting to a point here where if things start going off the rails, Houston needs to seize the opportunity to get rid of him and open up what would then be the most attractive job in football with Deshaun Watson coming back, that defense being as good good as it is. You can get a big-name head coach. You can get a really good coach in there and turn that franchise into the winner it should be. Um, Jacksonville's going to win, but... That, that Houston side of thing is something I'm going to be looking at as this season continues to close out because O'Brien seems to me like a, one of those names that you're kind of... It was like Lovey Smith a couple of years ago with the Bucks. People are like, yeah, maybe they'll fire him, but you know they're probably going to give him another year and then they yank the rug out from underneath them. Maybe that's going to happen with O'Brien. And truthfully, that'd be the best thing for Houston. Yeah, and look, to, to put a ball on that, right after he said that he wants to stay in Houston and be the coach there, Deshaun Watson tweeted out that he wanted OB back, O'Brien back. Uh, I don't care what Deshaun Watson wants. Mm-hmm. Okay, Deshaun Watson doesn't know what's good for him. 
they need to move on. I don't think they will. And for, I think they're going to say, well, you know, there's a lot of injuries. Bill O'Brien is going to be a handicap to that team going forward. They lost multiple games this year started by Watson because of his complete inability to manage situations. So, uh, for my money, I, I would not uh, I would not roll with O'Brien going forward. By the way, as we've been talking, the lines have changed in a few games. Uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers are now a pick them. Uh, so, the, that game's been vacillating between the, those two lines. The Chiefs opened as one-and-a-half-point favorites. So just people betting on the Chargers, I think that line will move throughout the week. But uh, a pick them in Kansas City. Makes sense. So, uh, Miami and Buffalo, 1 o'clock game. That game's not on the board right now as far as odds. I don't think we, you know, Miami hasn't played yet on Monday night. And the Bills, we don't know who's going to start a quarterback. Game's in Buffalo. If Tyrod Taylor plays, I'd like the Bills to win. Uh, at home, cold weather. Dolphins, obviously, not a cold weather team. And the Bills are playing for the playoffs. They're 7-6. and six. They have a real chance. So, uh, give me Buffalo in this game. Unless Peterman play. If Peterman plays, then... I've got to roll with the Dolphins. But I think, you know, if, if Taylor's there, the Bills are the better team. Not Joe Webb? You're not going to give Joe Webb any love? <laughs> he was the favorite. His own family wouldn't give He him. was Vikings fans' favorite quarterback the entire Christian Ponder era. Everybody was calling for Joe Webb. Bill, it's because, <laughs> my God, it's because he's, it's, it's Christian Ponder. They'd be calling for oh you if you packed up. Oh, my God. Um, I want the Bills to win just because I want us to run into this situation where the Chargers bump them out of the playoffs because they own a tiebreaker because Sean McDermott decided to start Nathan Peterman in that game where they got waxed. I want his five interceptions to just rake McDermott over the coals because that's a real scenario that we're facing down because if the Ravens fall off, which I think they will because they're the, the defense losing Jimmy Smith, that's going to hurt, and Joe Flacco is going to kill you. Um, it's going to come down to the Chargers and the Bills, and it's going to come down to Nathan Peterman and that decision. And I think there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter happy to see that happen, myself included, just because it's hilarious. Nathan Peterman kept you out of the playoffs. Good job, Sean. I, I got to say, I think the Ravens are going to get in just because of the schedule. But if that doesn't happen, if your scenario <laughs> just happens and they don't make the playoffs because of that, wow. <sighs> um, staying with the 1 o'clock games, another big game. This game we go a little in-depth on. Green Bay at Carolina – Panthers favored only by two and a half points mm-hmm. at home. Uh, look, the Panthers got a big win last week. Uh, they moved to nine and four. They beat the Vikings 31-24. Cam Newton had a big 62-yard run late. Uh, got them in. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. First goal situation, and Jonathan Stewart made him pay from there. Uh, you know, got the winning score late in the fourth. Green Bay was hideous. But for the second week in a row, was able to come back, win in overtime. They beat the Browns 27-21. to Brent Hundley goes back to the bench where he belongs. Aaron Rodgers comes back as a starter. And all of a sudden, the Packers have a real shot to make the playoffs. They're going to need some help, and they're going to have to win out. Um, and they play the Lions and the Vikings over the last two weeks, so not an easy stretch. But they have a chance. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Packers in this game. I think that they've been waiting for weeks to get a shot with Rodgers, and I, I could be wrong. I don't trust the Panthers. I know the defense has been good. I know they can run the ball. I don't like their weapons. And Newton, again, yesterday, I believe his line was 13 to 25 for a, right around a buck 50, a touchdown and a pick. That's gross. I'm so, like, you're not, 
you're not going to beat teams. All, I know you can say, well, they beat the Vikings with it. I, I get it. Keenum threw two picks. Like, I, I, you, you can't consistently win playing quarterback like that. And so I, I like the Packers to go in there and win this game. I like the Packers to win this one too, especially with Aaron Rodgers coming back. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago what happened when he came back after suffering a shoulder injury and led them into the playoffs. So, And we've been saying it for weeks that they're probably the most dangerous team in the playoffs if they sneak in and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Right now it looks like Aaron Rodgers is coming back. They need a lot of help to get him into the playoffs, but it's not out of the question. And look, great win for Carolina against the Vikings. I don't want to take anything away from them because it was, you know, they went out and they balled hard. The Vikings have been rolling teams over, good teams. They played, you know, the, the Rams and they won. They've played, you know, a lot of teams that you maybe would have thought, hey, Case Keenum's not going to beat these guys. Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen aren't going to beat these guys, and they do. So all credit goes to the Panthers for doing that. That being said, I think that the Packers are the better team here, and they're going to get the win, and they're going to make things real interesting down the stretch. And just to wrap a bow around your, your Cam Newton thing, uh, right around a buck fifty passing was generous. One thirty-seven was his final line. So that that's all you need to know right there. It just uh, I, I know people are going to say, "Well, he won the MVP a couple of years ago, and they were fifteen and one." Up, look at the statistics from that year. I give him credit. He threw thirty-five touchdowns, a ton of touchdowns. His completion percentage was was BS, and it's always BS. And now this year, you know, he always gets his pass. We don't have weapons around. Well, you know, I thought what happened to Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and, and Greg Olson's been hurt, granted. But Devin Funches, like, if he was any good, he'd make some of these guys halfway decent. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, Devontae Adams on most teams blows, but on the Packers, he's a good player. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is there. So, I think the Packers win the game. Uh, I think the Panthers are good. I just don't think they're as good as Green Bay if Rodgers is rolling right. So, uh, that would make it interesting. The Packers need help. The Vikings only need one win to clinch the division. We both think they're going to get it this week. So, that would leave a wild card spot. And they're going to need a combination of losses from the Panthers, the Falcons, the, the, maybe the, uh, the Saints or the Rams. So, they, they need help. They need help. But, if they run the table, they have a shot. So, moving forward, uh, another 1 o'clock game. Be quick on this one. The Jets are at the Saints. Bryce Petty's probably going to get the start for the Jets. And so with that in mind, give me the Saints. If it was, if it was minus 30, I would take the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints blow the Jets out. They have a week and a half to prepare for this game. They're at home. Saints know they got to have it, and I think they get it, and I think they get it easily. If my life was being threatened and you said you had to bet on the Jets and Bryce Petty, I'd be, you know what, I've lived a good life. It's, I had a good run. I, I don't really need to go this. This is not the way I want to go, betting on Bryce Petty. Uh, the Saints playing for the playoffs, playing for the division. If they're they're going to tune up the Jets something fierce. And the Jets, it took them 13 weeks to do it, but they're finally tanking the way that we thought that they were going to begin at the beginning of the season. So they've regressed back. And the Saints, there's basically no way that they lose this game. Even if another injury happens to Kamara, which maybe they should watch out for that because some, fa- some flaws were exposed on Thursday night. But the Saints, they're going to win this one. Yeah, uh, I think that's all that needs to be said. Last of the 1 o'clock games, Philadelphia, a new-look Philadelphia at the Giants. Eagles still favored by 7.5 points. Uh, look, the Giants are terrible. They're 2-11. Uh, unless they're playing the AFC West, they can't win a game. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to want to go out and prove that they're not going to just roll over here with Wentz being out. Foles is more than good enough to beat the Giants. I think they do it. Uh, maybe the Giants get a backdoor cover or something like that. But I think the Eagles win and win fairly comfortably. So give me Philadelphia to get to 12-2, to stay atop the NFC standings. 
which is you know, looking more and more important considering their plight and really how many good teams in the NFC. I'm going to take Philly to win this one too. And they close out the season at home against Oakland and at home against the Cowboys. So this is their last road game of the year. And it, you know, it could be their last road game until the Super Bowl if they're able to lock up that number one seed, which even with Nick Foles, that is so f- that's far enough in the bag, I think, that they're going to lock that up, and that's going, to be, that's going to be that, which, like you said, is going to be even more important than it was before because Nick Foles is going to be running the show, and that's, that's very dangerous. That's very dangerous if you're a Phillies fan. Four o'clock games, only 4.05 game. The Rams at the Seahawks. This game packed with playoff implications. Seattle is a one-point favorite, which means Vegas feels the Rams are actually the better team. Rams going to the game having lost two of three, lost to the Vikings a few weeks back, then beat the Saints, then lost to the Eagles. Crazy stretch of games. And you know, there might not be a harder stretch of four games in the league for any team that's competing. Uh, the Rams are 9-4. and four. Seattle's 8-5. and five. But the Seahawks beat the Rams back, I believe it was week five in Los Angeles. So if the Seahawks win this game, they are in first place in the NFC West. The Rams go back to being a wildcard team. And I have to look, but I believe, and I did, I did the math this yesterday, if the Rams lose and the Saints win and the Falcons win and the Panthers win, the Rams are not in the playoffs yeah. going into week 16. That is nuts. But th- this game could be any bigger. Seattle, meanwhile, this is almost a must win for them. They lose and drop to 8-6. They're probably done because they lose the head-to-head with Atlanta and Green Bay. So Seattle, you're, one of these teams that wins is, is going to be... A, a division winner and is looking like, hey, could make some real noise in the NFC playoffs. The other one's probably going to get in or maybe won't get in. So, that being said, I, I, I got to take Seattle. They're at home. It's a tough environment and they're experienced. They know how to win these games. I know they lost to Jacksonville uh, and the game got ugly at the end. A lot, a lot of ugliness. Hill, you touched on it at the beginning. Michael Bennett was diving at the knees of the center, yeah. and then he, the guy moved away from him. He dove at him again. Michael Bennett should be suspended for this game. Oh, yeah. That's a clown show. And I want to make it clear, because I already, I already see it happening on social media. It has nothing to do with what happened with him in Vegas this summer and his accusations against the Las Vegas Police Department, because, frankly, I don't care. Okay, This is about the football. What he did on the field, independent of anything he's ever done otherwise, he needs to be suspended for it. That is as dirty as it gets. Linder's a very good player for Jacksonville. He could have torn his ACL. He could have put him out for games. He needs to sit. That all being stated, I think Seattle's the better team at home. I think the Rams are good, but they're young. And I think Russell Wilson's going to have a big game. After throwing three picks against Jacksonville, I think he bounces back. If the Rams are able to go into Seattle and get a win, I think that that's course correction that they need because they've lost some. You know, I'm 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 a big fan of Sean McVay. I think he's the coach of the year. I love what he did with Jared Goff, and I'm really excited for the Rams and what they're going to do in the future. But they lost to Minnesota. Okay, they lost to uh, the Eagles. They've already lost to the Seahawks. They've lost big games. You look at the Vikings and you take a look at who they've beaten. They've beaten really the playoff games, the playoff teams that they've played. They've won. The Rams. Not so much. So I think that this is much-needed course correction, and if they can go into Seattle and win, that's going to be big time for them. I just don't see it happening because Seattle, and I said it last week, last year they went out east, played Tampa Bay in a game, not unlike this one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
where they weren't they were supposed to win. Tampa Bay is an up and coming team. They've got a good defense, but it's eh, you know they're not a really easy pick. And they win that game like eleven to five or something like that. Kind of the same thing going on here, where Seattle goes out east, play a team that they're supposed to beat, up and coming young team with a good defense, and they lose. That being said, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks live for December. They are a team that you do not want to run into at this time of the year because they finally figured things out and they're out there, they're doing things their way. I don't think that they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but a lot like the Chargers and a lot like the Saints, the Saints to a greater degree, uh, if, the, if you're playing the Seahawks in the playoffs, that's dangerous. If you're Philadelphia and Seattle comes to uh, you know Philadelphia to play, You've got Russell Wilson running around all over the place. You've got a defense that you're young. It shouldn't be as good. It's missing a lot of the pieces, the Legion of Boom, but somehow it's still beating you, so it's really confusing. And then it comes down to the coaching. They're dangerous in the playoffs. So I think that they win this game because they know if they get in, they are a monkey wrench for a lot of teams, and they're going to have to be very hard out for teams not paying attention, especially a team like Philadelphia that's, that just lost Wentz or a team like Minnesota where they go in there and you know everybody's high on Case Keenum and everything like that. And the game ends up coming down to a special teams mistake or a decision by Pete Carroll. I've got, I love Los Angeles, love the Rams. I've got the Seahawks winning this one. 425 game, and this is an interesting line. This might be the most interesting line I've seen all year. Tennessee is on the road, 8-5, and five, at San Francisco, 3-10. and 10. Niners won two in a row. Both Jimmy Garoppolo starts. The Titans coming off of what was a brutal 12-7 loss to the Cardinals. They didn't give up a touchdown. They sacked playing Gabbert eight times. They still lost the game. Mariota threw two picks, giving him 14 on the year against only 10 touchdown passes. The 49ers are favored by two points in this game. And you know what's even crazier? I think they're going to cover. I think they're going to win. Because I think the Titans are the worst 8-5 and team I have ever seen. I don't know how they've managed to win eight games. Every time I watch the Titans, it is one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. And look, you know what? I understand not every team has got Aaron Rodgers. Not every team is going to throw the ball over the lot. Sometimes you got to win ugly, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the Titans don't even just win ugly. They just, they just look awful. They, they can't execute. I, they look poorly coached to me. I think they, they've not given Derrick Henry nearly enough carries. The guy's averaging 4.9 yards in attempt. He's got less carries than DeMarco Murray. He's averaging 3.7. I'll never understand that. Mariota, everybody thought he was going to take a big step forward. He stinks. 62% completion rate. And every time I say that he stinks, I get inundated from, from Titan fans with all these tweets about how great he is and how he's underutilized and the scheme stinks. And look, maybe the scheme does stink. But... You know, he's got, he's got a decent cast of guys to throw the ball to. And when they brought in Eric Decker and Corey Davis, it was supposed to be this huge upgrade. Those two guys don't have 700 yards between them, and Decker only has one touchdown. Davis has none. Uh, I think the 49ers are better than him at this point with, with Garoppolo playing the way he's playing. I, I, don't, I don't think that the 49ers would be better than him with C.J. Beathard. But right now, the only thing that scares me if you're, not, if you're a Niners supporter is the Titans do have 37 sacks. They can get after you. But they've given up 30. So I think the 49ers at home, there's some energy. I think they win. I think the 49ers win too. And the Titans are just a massive disappointment. There's not a whole lot much more you can say about that. Mariota, he's a good quarterback if you can get a right coach. But you've got to build the system around him. I mean, we were talking about it in the office yesterday. You know, Chip Kelly's playbook in Oregon was what, 20 plays? You just have to memorize those, get really good at them. NFL system is very different. What does he look like if Josh McDaniels is coaching him? 
I don't know. I think that maybe that's a team where they make a coaching change in the offseason to try to salvage whatever Mariota has. But, yeah, that's a weird line for the 49ers. And truthfully, you know, I don't want to make that – I don't want to make this about dogging the Titans. I want to make this about how bright the future probably is for the 49ers because they were a really good winless team for a very long time, losing those games by two, three points. Then they get Garoppolo. They finally start to turn a corner. I think this is going to be a very nice step, another notch on that belt – this is kind of like preseason to me for the 49ers next year. They're kind of settling in Garoppolo. They're figuring out what pieces work with him. They'll make changes in the offseason. They'll have a good draft pick. Maybe they get Saquon Barkley and have a running game with Carlos Hyde. That'll be interesting. Um, I'm taking the 49ers to win this one because I honestly think that they're the better team. It really is incredible. I don't think the Titans are going to make the playoffs. I think the Titans, their last three games were at San Francisco, home to the Rams, home to Jacksonville. I think they're losing the last two games. Yeah. And frankly, even if they beat the Niners, that's enough not to not to get in. I they're not going to win a nine if they go nine and seven. Um, it's kind of convoluted, so I'm not going to get really deep into this. But if they go nine and seven, and they lose to Jacksonville, and one of the they have to lose to Jacksonville, but they lose to one of the NFC teams as well. And the Chiefs go nine and seven. The Chiefs beat them out. Uh, so, and that's based off of common opponent. The Chargers. Uh, I'll look real quick. You know what? I, I, I think I think the Chargers would also beat them out. I, I believe I am going to check on that really quickly. Because um, the Chargers, let's say they were to lose to Kansas City, get to nine and seven, uh, the Chargers in the conference this year would be would finish six and six. If Tennessee loses, actually, you know, so Tennessee would win that tiebreaker. Tennessee would be seven and five, even if they lose to Jacksonville. So Tennessee wants the Chiefs to win the division. Okay, Tennessee wants the Chiefs to win that division in the worst way. Uh, now, Tennessee would also win a tiebreaker against Baltimore. They beat them head-to-head. So keep that in mind. Buffalo, on the other hand, uh, they, it, they would need uh, a couple of wins in the AFC. They would need Tennessee to lose. Uh, it, it, you start to get crazy. But in other words, look, Tennessee could go 9-7 and seven to make the playoffs depending on how it all shakes out. But they really probably got to get 10-6 and six to be safe. And looking at their schedule, I don't think that's happening. But I digress. We'll move on. Last four, game in the 4 o'clock window. Biggest game in some ways of the, of the week. It's going to determine home field advantage in the AFC. New England at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 11-2. New England probably will, will be after this Monday night game against Miami. But New England on the road favored by 2.5. Uh, look, I've been on record saying I think the Steelers are the best team in the AFC all year long. The loss of Shazier is a tremendous loss. It completely changes that defense. You watch them against Baltimore. Baltimore has no offense. Baltimore went up and down the field on the Steelers the whole night. The Bengals got up 17-0 on them before becoming the Bengals. Uh, I think the Steelers are significantly crippled by that injury. And now because of it, I like the Pats. I think the Pats are now the better team. I think that that injury tips the scales. And I think New England's going to win the game. And I think it's going to put Pittsburgh in the two seed. They're going to be the top two seeds. Uh, it's just a matter of in what order. And so uh, give me Pittsburgh. Well, I thought these two teams were a lock for the AFC title game. Now I'm not so sure. I, with Shazier going out, that, that matters. That like Could Jacksonville beat Pittsburgh now again? Maybe. The Chargers? Could, could the Chargers beat them if they get in? Potentially. Could Kansas City beat them if the Chiefs right themselves over the last couple of weeks? The Chiefs always struggle with them, but Shazier being out... Maybe it changes the game a little bit. I feel like Pittsburgh's vulnerable anyway. 
to those to those teams. But I think New England wins this game. The defense looks completely different from what we saw, and I think that is a flaw. I was not as sold on Pittsburgh as you were. I still thought that New England was the best team in the conference. I still think that they're the best two teams, and I, they should play in the AFC Championship game. But, yeah, I agree with you. Losing Shazier... It's more than just a mental thing. They seem to get around that and be able to, because, you know, you hear Roethlisberger raw-rying after the game about how Ryan Shazier was with them on the field and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Not so much coming from Ben Roethlisberger, but I digress. On the field, watching the linebackers that the, the Steelers have, they're getting cut on blocks. They're not quick enough to get onto the sideline to catch Alex Collins bouncing to the outside. Alex Collins was a superstar on Sunday Night Football because those linebackers were unable to make up for the loss of Ryan Shazier. That's how important he is, and I think it's a testament and also a tragedy in what happened because he was kind of a guy that you don't, you know, you talk about J.J. Watt, you still talk about Clay Matthews as being these really big superstar defensive players. Ryan Shazier is a key cog in that Steelers defense and a guy who really kind of flew under the national radar as far as somebody we should be appreciating. Uh, hopefully we haven't seen the last of him. I'm, I'm really you know, hoping that we haven't. But on the field, Pittsburgh is hurting without him. And all of a sudden they're vulnerable. And everybody's going to point to, oh, the three Bs, though. Antonio Bryant, he's the best wide receiver to have ever put on a football uniform. Yeah, Bill Belichick is going to put like six guys on Antonio Bryant and force Antonio Ben Roethlisberger Brown. to beat him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brown. Brown. Whatever. Brian Brown. What is this? I was, I was trying. You know, Antonio <laughs> Bryant, I don't think he's doing much. No. Antonio Bryant, yeah. But Antonio Brown, you know, Belichick's going to load him up, and they're going to find ways to beat him. Without that defense playing the way that it was playing earlier in the season, I think that the Steelers are going to be not a sure thing to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think New England just without Chase, I think they're going to score 50. Uh, so, look, the last two games of the week, uh, primetime games, I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on either. Dallas is at Oakland. The game doesn't matter really for either team, unless you think Dallas can make a run to the playoffs. I don't personally. <clears throat> Two and a half point favorites. I think Dallas is going to win. Uh, if we had more time, I'd get more into it. I, I wrote about it in Stack in the Box. If you want to take a look at it on fansided.com uh, about the Raiders, and I think th- they've got real problems going forward because they paid Derek Carr a ton of money. Yeah. And I understand why they did it, but he is not worth $125 million. I said that at the time. I wrote a huge column about it then. I got crushed for it. He is he is a good quarterback. He's I in my quarterback rankings coming out this week. You can check them out. Uh, they they drop tomorrow. They drop Tuesday morning. Um, but I have him in the teens, and it's where he belongs. He's not a top ten quarterback. And and Jack Del Rio, they signed him to a four year extension in February. That's a bigger problem because Jack Del Rio is not winning you a division. Uh, in fact, fun fact, unless you're a Raiders fan, then sad <laughs> fact, no coach has ever coached more regular season games than Jack Del Rio and not won a division. So, give me Dallas, minus two and a half, on the road. Last game without Ezekiel Elliott. I think they win. I think they get to eight and six. I think the Raiders completely drop out of the playoff picture. I don't know. NBC didn't flex out of this game. Maybe, I mean, I, I maybe I, the markets. I was going to say, I, maybe I don't understand the rules after, you know, just called Antonio Brown, Antonio Bryant. It's a brain fart all around. Um, yeah, if you're NBC, you got to flex out of this game and get that, that Pittsburgh game. But as far as the Raiders are concerned, they are the franchise equivalent of the guy who celebrates before he gets across the goal line and drops the football, and then it's a touchback. That's what they did by extending Del Rio, by extending Dave, uh, Derek Carr. And it's, they didn't do anything. They, didn't, they have, did absolutely nothing last year other than look better than they were supposed to. And they paid everybody, which I guess is a classic Al Davis move. But he's not around, so somebody else is making that bad decision for him in his uh, 
post-Hominus tribute, I guess. But Dallas wins this one. I really think that it's it's a game I don't care about. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'd agree. And then Monday night, uh, your Bucks at home against Falcons. Falcons favored by six. Uh, I'll let you have the floor. You know, back-to-back weeks where the Monday night game should be behind a paywall. Um, You know, kids are getting to bed early a lot here in December with all these crappy Monday night games. Look, Dirk Cutter, he's done in Tampa. The writing's on the wall. Yesterday it came out before the game. Ian Rappaport reported that there's tension between Jameis Winston and Dirk Cutter, which is no surprise. After the game, Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston said that there's nothing there, which I'll go back to the Bill O'Brien thing. If you've got a good situation and a good relationship, nobody's going to have to defend it otherwise. It's a very bad situation. Uh, Jenna Lane, who writes for ESPN, she follows the Bucks. She tweeted that, uh, defensive assistants that she talked to basically laugh at the Bucks when they have to prepare for them because Dirk Cutter's play calling is so predictable, which explains why Mike Evans is apparently wearing an invisible cloak on the field on Sundays because he's completely fallen off and he's not a part of the game plan at all. And he's one of the best receivers in football. And if you're not getting him the ball and you're not making him part of the game plan, I don't care if he's getting double teamed or whatever. You throw him the ball and you make him a part of the game plan. That's just how it works. So Dirk Cutter, I think that the writing's on the wall with him. I think he's done after this year and they get somebody else into that job. The problem is I don't know who. Uh, And then the other problem, of course, and we saw it again on Sunday, is Jameis Winston. Marcus Mariota, his problem seems to be that he can't fit into an NFL system. That's a little harder to fix. Jameis Winston just needs to stop making stupid decisions. The fumble in the ball, he's throwing interceptions, he's just he's yelling at officials on plays he shouldn't be yelling at him on. It's just it's a comedy of errors. And I want him to work through this and I want him to get it out of his system. And to all these people on Twitter who are overreacting and saying, oh, he's a bust. They need to move on from him. They need to find somebody else. Blah, blah, blah. He's not. It's year three. Get back to me in 2019. If this is still a problem and the rookie deal's done, then you can move on from him. But switch out Dirk Cutter for a different head coach, which I think is where we're going. And Jameis Winston needs to spend this offseason learning how to stop these mistakes because they are killing the Bucks. Yet another game. Last week against the, the Packers, where Brett Hundley throws for less than 90 yards and they lose in overtime. And then this one against the Lions, they lose on a field goal. They're not getting blown out. They're a better team than they're playing. But Jameis Winston's anchoring them down. There's injuries on defense that's hurting them. And then Dirk Cutter is, I don't know if he's sleepwalking through the rest of the season or what, but something needs to change. As far as if Atlanta's going to win, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. Oh, well, we know you're broke now because you've picked against the Bucs. Like, I'll make it. I mean, Really sure. I think Atlanta wins. With in regards to Winston, we talk about it all the time on Sunday. It, it has to stop. It's it ridiculous. Has to stop. These aren't even balls. Like you know, he's throwing into into tight windows. He throws passes. It just they're asinine. He has no business throwing. I think. Look, ultimately here, if I'm the Buccaneers, I bring in a really good backup quarterback and I let him know there are consequences. If you're mm-hmm. going to play like that, you're getting benched. And I'm not saying I'd bench him permanently. I'm not saying I, you know. But you need to send it. And by the way, I would do it the last three games of this year. Yeah. He goes out and put, throws a pick. He's benched. You have to, at some point, like, it's like, you know, if, if anybody's familiar with watching hockey or even basketball, like, look, how do, you, how do you get to somebody? How do you get to an athlete? You limit their time on the ice or on the field or on mm-hmm. the court. That's how you do it. You can talk to your blue in the face. But if you say, you know what? You're not going on the field anymore. You're not playing anymore. Then you're hurting their earning power and you're hurting their, their ability to enjoy the sport. 
then it changes. And if it doesn't change, then I think it's hopeless. But uh, listen, the Falcons, I think, win. And uh, so that's it. That's it for all the Week 15 games. Touched on them all. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, we, of course, every Monday do a new episode of Stacking the Box. Uh, you can check out my work, Josh's work on fansided.com. Plenty of content all week long. Anything from film studies to, to think pieces to analysis to picks and predictions uh, to quarterback rankings to power rankings, mock draft, you name it, we have it. Um, and, of course, if you ever want to interact with us, go on Twitter, look us up. Josh Hill and Matt Verderam. Of course, uh, my last name, a little bit more complicated than Hill's. Uh, V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E, in case you didn't know. So thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes. Stacking the box. So for Josh Hill and myself, week 15 in the NFL. Unbelievable. Coming up already. Enjoy the weekend, and we will talk to you next week.